Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, that's where we're going to be. And we're continuing the study of the sayings of Peter. It's a really great study. I think we're seeing selected state, uh, sayings of Peter and the events that are connected with it. Here's what we've seen so far. Look at, if, well, oh, here we go. Okay, here's what we've seen so far. For Peter said, and, and, and these are not uh, just uh, the only sayings he ever makes. These are just ones I picked out. I thought that would be good for us to look at. He said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. That's when he recognized how uh, that Jesus definitely was God, that all the things. Then he said, we've left all to follow you. That was discipleship. Uh, he told Jesus to command me to come out onto the water, and he did. And then when he started going down, he said, save me. Then he said, uh, probably one of the great statements of all, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. When Jesus said, who do you say that I am? He said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then he messed up. When Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem and die and rise again, Peter said, this shall not happen to you. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, adversary. And then we saw they got up on the mountain, uh, Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus looked like he's going to be as the king, and Moses and Elijah were there. And Peter thought, man, this would be great to stay here because if we go back down there, there's men, up here, everything's gone. So he says, let's make some booze, and let's just stay here. And, of course, what we saw from that is that uh, ministry's done in the valley, not on the mountain. And a lot of people want to do big events and everything, but ministry's done day by day. That's what it's really done. We want to touch lives for Christ. It's not having a big meeting and have a thousand people come. We want to touch lives for Christ. It's each one of us individually touching lives for Christ. Our goal in this whole thing is that we put the sayings in context, make application in our lives. Last week we saw probably the most, one of the most famous events in the Bible, the transfiguration. Peter wanted to stay there. Well, this morning we're going to see two more sayings of Peter. And actually, we'll just barely get into it. So it's going to be, and then we'll get one. Uh, well, next week, <clears throat> if, to be honest with you, the next week is the congregational meeting. The next week after that will be a Christmas message. And the next week after that is Christmas Day. So this is probably the last message of, of Peter. And it's a good stopping place until after Christmas. And because it's going to take us a couple of weeks to look at this one, it's really, really powerful. There are going to be two sayings coming together in this event, and we'll see how it ties together. As we look at that, our passage, we're, we're going to talk about the issue of salvation, and when we talk about the issue of salvation, we're talking about eternal life salvation, and then the issue of fellowship, and we're going to talk about it as relationship and fellowship, and we're going to look at it at the last night before Jesus goes to the cross, and we're going to see two things in this study. We're going to see Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Why? And what is the picture? And what is he trying to teach the men? And then, big question number two, why did Peter not want Jesus to wash his feet? What's going on? And we're going to see some things this morning that if you've never looked at this passage in this kind of detail, you'll really be surprised. There's some things there that you go, I've never thought about it this way. So there's a lot of good things there. So when we think about our eternal life salvation or just salvation as a whole, there's the aspect of eternal life salvation and there's aspect of Christian life. And there's two terms that we need to make sure we understand. One is the word relationship and the other is the word fellowship. Now relationship deals with eternal life. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, you get a relationship with Jesus. It's an eternal relationship. We become children of God, and nothing can ever change that. So if you said, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? The answer is yes. When we talk about fellowship, it deals with our Christian lives. It comes by faithfulness. It comes as we serve. It comes as we abide in Christ. And so if I could say, do you have 
fellowship with Jesus Christ. You could say yes, because I'm in fellowship and I'm serving him. And I'm, or you could say no. You could say I'm out of fellowship with God. And so when we deal with it, relationship is eternal and cannot end. Fellowship is temporal and can end due to sin. So what happens when we as a believer sin? Do we lose our relationship with God when we sin? What's the answer? No, no, our relationship cannot end. What happens when we sin? We lose our what? Fellowship. And so we got to remember that because there's a whole bunch of people out there that teach every week that if you sin and keep sinning, you lose your eternal relationship with God. You, you, it's not eternal. You, you lose it. You lose your salvation. We know that when you sin, you lose your fellowship. Your relationship can never change. As we think about the passage this morning where Jesus is going to wash their feet and things, we're going to see that. We think about eternal life as a relationship. We are cleansed. The reason I'm going to talk about it this way is because Jesus talks about it this way in the passage. When we talk about relationship, we are cleansed. We are washed by the blood of the Lamb, and it brings about that call comes by faith. It's eternal. It cannot change. When we think, and, but when we think about Christian life, it deals with fellowship. It comes by confession. This is where 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So every one of us in this room that, believe, that have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, you have an eternal relationship with God, with Jesus, that can never change. You've been washed, okay? Now, every one of us in this room who know Christ, we have fellowship. But it's not eternal in the sense because if I get sin in my life, I lose my fellowship with Jesus Christ, and I need to confess my sin. And he, Jesus is going to say, "You don't. You, you need to take a little bath, you know." And 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 there's an idea that when we believe in Jesus, we're washed completely, and when we're out of fellowship, we need to cleanse parts of our body to get back into fellowship. So we're going to see that as we go through this whole thing. There are two areas in the passage, servanthood and cleansing. And we're going to see them both. I'm going to go fairly quickly. I want you to just see how this flows because it's really beautiful what Jesus does. And, and then for sure, when we come back after Christmas, because well, the next two or three weeks are all going to be a little bit different, when we come back, we're going to go back and put this together again to make sure we got it because it is a powerful truth. How many people do you know believe they can lose their salvation? I know a lot of people who think they can lose. And they say this, if you sin or if you don't do what's right, you lose it. Well, then they think fellowship and relationship are the same thing, and they're not. Okay? So let's talk about it. Here, where are we? Here's some things we're going to look at over these weeks. Where are we in the ministry of Jesus? What's going on in this passage? Jesus washes feet. It shows service and cleansing. Peter says no. You'll not wash my feet. Why does he say that? That's his eighth saying. Jesus says, you'll have no part with me if I don't wash your feet. What is he talking about? What does he mean? Then Peter says, you know, Peter, well, then wash me all over. That's question, that's no question nine. Peter says, okay, if you're going to wash my feet, but you don't, I don't want you to wash my feet. But if you say, if you don't wash my feet, I don't get to have anything to do with you. Well, then just wash me all over. And Jesus is going to say to him, you don't need to be washed all over. Washing all over is eternal life salvation. Feet washing is the uh, idea of, you know, this, this aspect of what we're talking about, this um, confession and 
fellowship and that kind of thing. So Jesus explains the purpose of the washing and then the whole thing summary and application. So we're not going to get to all that today. Of course, we're going to see some of it. So let's, let's start with this question. Where are we in the ministry of Jesus? We're nearing the end of his earthly ministry. <clears throat> some people say we're in, nearing the end of his life. Well, he died and rose again, so it's not the end of his life. I mean, he's, he's coming right back. So we're near the end of his earthly ministry. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. He's told his men he's going there, be tried, killed, and rise again. We're in the final week of his life. In fact, in this passage, this is the night before uh, he is crucified the next day. This is the night that he's going to be arrested, tried six times for the Jews, tried, excuse me, tried three times by the Jews the next morning, tried three times by the Romans, and then crucified. So this is where we are in the passage, John chapter 13. And so they're gathering together. He's entered the city. They've already had the Palm Sunday thing everybody talks about. He's cleansed the temple. His men are gathered for this last meeting, and it's for Passover. And this is where they would gather and remember how God delivered the nation from the bondage in Egypt. When when we think of Passover, uh, we actually don't think of it in quite the right way. We think of Jesus with his men, and we call it the last what? The last supper. But it wasn't the last supper. It was a Passover meal, and Jesus right in the middle of that meal said, see, this bread represents my body. See, this juice represents my blood. I'm the Passover lamb, just as the lamb delivered Israel from Egypt, I deliver you from sin. That's what it's really all about. That's what he's talking about. So this is where he is. And, and of course, we put it this way. Passover lamb was slain. They came out of Egypt. They were saved by the blood of the lamb. So that's night Jesus makes that change, and we talked about it. Now, as we begin chapter 13, his men have come together in the upper room. Call it the upper room. If you remember, they didn't know where to go. They came to Jesus and said, what, what do you want to have the Passover meal? Because this isn't the first Passover they had, by the way. This may have been the fourth one because he's had his ministry for three, three and a half years. This may have been the fourth Passover they've done together, but this one's going to be different. And so they ask him what to do, and he sends them into town. See this guy carrying a pitcher of water? Follow that guy, get to the house, go into the master of the house and say, where has the room been set apart for Jesus to have his meal? And the guy will say, oh, I've been doing it right up here. He didn't have any clue why he was doing it, but now he knows. And so they're all there. They're sitting around. And, and notice this, verse 1. Now the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So what's going on in this passage? They've come into a room. Now, the picture, the, the famous painting of the Last Supper is Jesus at a table in the middle and everybody's down the sides. And that's, that's not accurate at all. They didn't sit at tables like that. There was a table that maybe was this tall that usually was in a like a U-shape. And uh, at the head of the table, in the middle of the U, would be the main person. And they, they reclined. They laid, on, they laid out like this. And so the table was about that tall. So they laid like this on their elbow. And if they wanted food, they'd reach up like this. And then another guy was laying right there. And another guy was laying right there. Judas was laying right there. And John is laying right there. And then it went around over there and went around over there. And when Jesus said some things about somebody's betraying him and this kind of thing, Peter motioned to John and said, ask him who it is. And it says, John leaned back. John rolled back toward Jesus and said, who is it? And that's when Jesus said, here, I'm giving it to this guy. So you just picture this little table 
that's like a, a U-shaped table. Jesus in the middle. He's at, at the head. So what's going on in this passage? What's going on in this passage? They've come for that, that supper. Jesus is in the middle, a low table. Uh, he had the, by, by the way, there were always the person to the right and to the left had the best places. So who had the two best places? John, the youngest one, and Judas, the betrayer. You can see Peter probably going, well, I, I wanted to be over there. Why did I get over there? I, you know? You imagine, you imagine that when they came in, that they all rushed to get a place? They knew the head, the heart, heart, heart at the head, that's going to be Jesus. They're not touching that place because they know he's going to run the meal because he's their rabbi, he's their teacher, he's their master. But they all wanted the best seat. Somehow John, probably the youngest, fastest, got there. And then Judas, he carries the money, which he stole from, and all the rest of them. And, and how we know that they rushed to get in there? How do we know they rushed to get in there? You know how we know? Nobody washed their feet. See, normally you'd come in, there might be a servant, and as you got ready, they washed your feet, and then you went and reclined. Nobody had their feet washed. None of them took the time to say, hey, I wash everybody's feet. If you washed everybody's feet, guess what seat you were going to get? The last seat. Nobody did that. Everybody rushed to get in. That's why Jesus gets up and he starts washing everybody's feet, and they're all embarrassed because they knew that they probably should have washed each other's feet. And so it's an embarrassment to them when all this is going on. He's the head. Jesus is the head of the table. He's going to be leading the meal. And as I said, they're all got dirty feet, which they, they, they should have had one of them or maybe even several of them say, everybody come over here, we'll, we'll wash your feet. That meant not the best seat. Remember what Jesus talked about when they talked about seats? And he said, when you're invited to a banquet or something, don't take one of the best seats, take one of the worst seats. Because if you take one of the best seats, they may look at you and go, what are you doing sitting there? That's reserved for this guy. And you'd be embarrassed and you'd have to go to the back. He said, what you always do? Get one of the worst seats. So the, the guy may, hey, that's my best friend. What are you doing over there? Get, I got this seat for you. So Jesus said, if you humble yourself, you'll be what? Exalted. But if you exalt yourself, you'll be what? Humbled. It all goes back to all their, their culture and the things that he taught. So 13.1, they're having this Passover. Look at verse 2. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. It had already happened. Jesus, knowing all this, had given all things into his hands and and said he'd come forth from God and was going back to God. So Jesus knows everything. He already knows Judas. He knows what Judas is going to do. I mean, of course, he's God. He knows everything. He knows what you're going to do. He knows what you're going to say. He knows what you think. He knows what you would have said if you hadn't said what you said. He knows where you are, and he knows where you'd be if you weren't here. He knows every aspect of our lives. And sometimes we don't think about that. You know, I have people say, you know, he knows everything. I say, not only does he know that you are here, he knows all the possibilities you could have been if you weren't here. He knows what you're going to say even before you say it. And sometimes we said, I wish you'd have stopped me, right, before I said it. That's, that's what we think. Well, look at this. So Jesus, knowing everything, knowing that he came from the Father, that he'd come from the Father, and he was going back. That's what he talks about. That's what Philippians talks about. Left the glories of heaven, became a person, humbled himself to be obedient to death, even the death of the cross. God, therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. So watch what Jesus does. Uh, this is where he left, came to die, and go back to the Father. Jesus washes feet. 
Look at verse, uh, <clears throat> verse 4. So Jesus got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. I think their first thought probably is, why is he getting up? That's their thought. They hadn't even thought about what's going on. And then he takes off his little, main little coat thing, and then he takes a towel and wraps it around himself, and then he gets a basin of water and another towel. And watch what he says. It says, and he got up from supper and he laid aside the garments and taking the towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. So he has it all, has it all right there. And so when we look at this, there are two things we're going to see. The servanthood, the servant, the example and the illustration to Jesus' men of being a servant. See, a lot of people say things like, well, if he washed feet and he tells them to wash feet, then why don't we wash feet today? Because that was a cultural thing. It was a cultural thing. You say, well, what about Lord's Supper? Lord's Supper wasn't a cultural thing. It's given to the church. Washing feet's not given to the church. Washing feet is a picture of servanthood. We don't wash feet today. You know why? Because we don't come on dirt roads and sandals and lay on the ground to eat. And they did. And so they needed their feet washed. It was a picture of servanthood. But this is also a picture of cleansing and a picture of fellowship. Now, one of those people in the room is not a believer. That's Judas. All the rest of them are believers. And Jesus is getting up to wash their feet. Watch what happens. So he washes. This is a picture of servanthood. There's the example. He washes their feet. And then look at verse 12. So when he had washed their feet and had taken his garment and reclined at the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Okay, we're going to see two things, but they probably go, not exactly, right? I mean, right now, do you know, if you, if you hadn't read the passage, would you know? You might say, I, we don't know, I don't know. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. I'm the teacher and I'm the Lord, right? So, so I am. And if I am the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. This is servanthood. For I gave you an example that you should do as I do to you. So he's the teacher. He has washed the disciples' feet. He's the rabbi, the one who taught them the truth from God's word. He said to them, you need to wash each other's feet. If I'm the Lord, if I, the Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you should wash each other's feet. They should serve one another. So we don't want to get a bit out of shape because I've seen people say, all churches ought to have people wash feet every week. And I say, why? Well, because Jesus said everybody needs to wash their feet. No, he didn't say, he said everybody needs to serve everybody because he, when he did that, that was the act of a servant in a household. And none of us, very few of us wear sandals in the dirt and come into church to eat. That, that's just a totally different cultural thing. Head coverings. Head coverings are cultural. Why don't we require women to wear head coverings? Because they did in Corinth. Did you know in Corinth, if a woman didn't cover her head, she was considered a prostitute? That's that culture. Go to the East. Go to the Middle East right now. What do women do? They cover their heads. Come to America. Do they cover? Do y'all cover your heads? No. But I have people say that a woman shouldn't go to church unless she has something on top of her head. I said, really, where do you get that? Well, the Bible says that. I said, well, it's a cultural thing. You've got to be able to look and see what is a biblical mandate and what is a cultural example. 
This is a cultural example of servanthood. They should serve one another. They should wash one another's feet. And he goes on and says, for I give you this example that you should do as I did to you. And then he talks about the slave not being greater than the master, and they're all supposed to be doing this. Now, here comes the part that I think we need to really highlight, because this, uh, the first one is, what do, we, what do we learn from washing feet? Servanthood. That's what it is. That's the picture. But there's more to it, because... He's washed their feet, and when he comes to Peter, and Peter says, you're not going to wash my feet. What Peter's really saying is, you're not going to serve me because I'm really embarrassed because I know that I should have already washed your feet, and we should have all washed each other's feet, and here you are, the master, the Lord, you're, every, you're washing our feet, so I'm, I'm not letting you wash my feet. That's too embarrassing. And, that's what's, and then Jesus said, but if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. And Peter didn't get it, so he said, well, just wash me all over. And we're going to see the picture of being washed all over, which is what? Eternal life salvation and washing feet, which is a picture of fellowship. We're going to see it, watch. And we'll, we'll just barely get to it, okay? And then we can go to the grow group and talk more about it. And so here is the cleansing, the cleansing. This is where we see in detail the statements made by Peter. Now, before, before we do that, let me, let's remind ourselves something. There were two aspects. There was to be clean, so to speak, this is our position. This is our eternal life salvation. We're completely clean from sin, okay? Then there's the cleansing experience aspect, which is washing the feet, which deals with our Christian lives and how that fits together. And so uh, <clears throat> let, me, let me show you something that you, that you can't know except by knowing the language. There are two Greek words in this passage for to bathe or to wash. There's the word, which is, it's actually L-U-O, a long O. I just didn't put all that there. It's Lu-O, and it means to take a bath. It means to be completely wet and clean all over. It's total body. This is the picture of salvation. Jesus actually said, you've already bathed. You're already completely washed all over. Then he uses another word, which Peter even uses, is the word nipto. It means to wash apart. Like this means take a bath. This means to wash a part of yourself. Like wash your hands. Go in there and wash your hands. Come over here and let's wash your feet. We didn't say go jump in the tub, right? Jumping in the tub is eternal life salvation. Washing your hands and feet is fellowship. And so he's going to say nipto, wash a part. This is the picture of the Christian life. Jesus is going around, and what's he doing to their feet? Nip-toe. He's not bathing them. He's washing a portion. This is fellowship. He's ba That's why when Peter said, you're not going to do it, he said, if I don't wash your feet, you have what? No part with me. You can't be in fellowship with me. If you don't confess your sin, can you be in fellowship with God? No. And so this is what he's saying. So <clears throat> the two Greek words, and it, you, won't, you can't. Tell them. But anyway, I just wanted you to see that in the Bible, there's a word for take a bath, completely clean, and there's a word to wash, to wash a little part. So let's go back to verse 4 again. And, and he says, He got up from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to nip-toe the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel which is girded. He's not bathing them. They're not jumping in the tub. They're only getting the feet. And he came to Simon Peter 
Now think about this. Here's, here's Simon Peter, and he comes to Peter, and this is, this is going to be Peter's eighth saying. So he comes to Peter, and uh, he said, Lord, do you wash my feet? He doesn't understand. Listen, if we were there, we wouldn't have understood either. All we would have thought is that Jesus is sort of getting us back for not, for not us serving because, see, the part where Jesus stood up and said, you know, I'm your Lord and Master, and I've washed your feet, we, that hasn't happened yet. He says that after he gets through washing everybody's feet. He's just now doing it right now. And so he comes to Peter, and Peter's all embarrassed. I guarantee you, we would be embarrassed because we're actually saying, here is the King of Kings, the Savior of the world, our Master, our everything, and we should have washed everybody's feet. He's washing our feet. This is embarrassing. That's what we would think. He poured some water in the basin, began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them. He came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? I said, I, you're going to wash my feet? Look, look what he said. Do you wash my feet? Peter doesn't understand what's going on. And that's, and that's really, and, that, and that's okay, because I don't think we would have. And then in verse 7, Jesus answered and said to him, what I do to you, what I do, you don't realize now, but you'll understand later. He said, what I'm doing right now, you don't get it yet. You don't have to grasp it, but you will in a little bit. You will as soon as I explain it, right? And see, sometimes we look at the Bible and we go, I don't, I don't get it. And then we see somewhere else something to explain. You know, we're going to study the book of Revelation on Sunday morning. And there's a part right at the very beginning that, that he turns around, John turns around, and he sees these lampstands all around. And Jesus, basically, Jesus in the middle of the lampstands. And we could stop right there and say, what are the lampstands? What is this? Well, all you have to do is read about five or six more verses, and he says, here are what the lampstands are. So sometimes he tells us. And in this case, Jesus is doing it, and then he's going to tell them what he's doing. So Jesus says to him, he says, I, what I do, you do not realize right now. You don't understand it, but you will hereafter. You don't understand it. You don't realize now. You don't get it now, but you will hereafter. You will later, just a little bit. He's got to explain it to him. So you know Peter. Peter is, he just has to be the leader, has to know what's right, can't stand to have messed up. And so he's messed up, and he doesn't want Jesus to do it. So Jesus, so he says, Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. I'm not going to let you do it. This is his eighth saying. You shall never wash my feet. Now, in Greek, it's what we call the double negative. He says it this way, no way, no how are you going to ever wash my feet. Because in English, we put a double negative, it makes it back to a positive. But in Greek, you can have a negative and another negative and sometimes even another negative if you're trying to make something really strong. So Peter, really strong, says, no way you're ever washing my feet. I, no way, no how would I ever let you wash my feet. You know why he's saying that? Because I'm in too embarrassed. You shouldn't be washing my feet. You shouldn't. But Jesus said, you don't know what you're talking about because you don't understand. You, you don't understand right now. You will. So then he says to Peter, wait a minute, okay. Peter said to him, verse 8, never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, if I do not nip-toe you. Now remember, if I do not nip-toe you, you will have no part with me. What is he talking about? If I don't, don't nip-toe and wash a little part here, you can't have what? Fellowship. But Peter doesn't grasp it. 
Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have a part. So Peter, of course, goes on. I didn't even put that up there, but Peter goes on and says, oh, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but my hands and my head. He's saying, wash me all over. And you know what word is there? What do you think? Luo. Give me a bath. Jesus said, I'd like to nip toe your feet. And Peter says, Luo me. Get the whole thing. And notice what Jesus says. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, he who has bathed, Luo, needs only to nip toe his feet because he's completely clean. And then he says something that shocked them all. And you are clean. Peter, but not all of you. Verse 11, for he knew the one who was betraying him. And this reason, he said, not all of you. Everyone in that room except Judas had luo. They had been bathed. And Jesus was going around niptoeing, cleaning them up so they could have fellowship with him. And Peter said, no, 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 I'm not going to let you niptoe me. And Jesus said, if I don't niptoe you, you won't have anything to do with me. He said, well, then luo me. He said, you already luoed. In this room, guess what? Every one of us in this room who know Christ, guess what? We already luoed. We already had our bath. Once a week, Saturday night, we've had our bath, right? We've had it. And we never have to have a bath again. But guess what we have to do if we're going to be in fellowship? We've got to be clean. And we've got to have a niptoe. And it's either feet or hands or whatever it is, we have to, to do that. Let me, let me just put this up. Jesus served, and he serves us. How? Because he died and rose again. We're to serve him. And, and, and so I, I'm going to stop there because we're not going to get into the rest of it. But let me, let me put this up for you. We want to follow the example of Jesus as we serve one another in love. So what if we were in the first century and we were in a dirt floor place the outside would be dirty, and we all wore sandals. We come into a place to eat. What would you do? You know that in a normal house, especially a bigger house, there was actually a servant there that as you walked in, they washed your feet. But in Jesus' upper room where Jesus told them to go meet, there's no servant there. It's just them. So what did they do? They looked for the best seats. And then when Jesus gets up to wash their feet, they're embarrassed. And the truth is, Jesus said, you should do what I've done for you. You call me Lord and Master, and I am the Master and Lord. I am your teacher. As I have done to you, you do to one another. Serve one another in love. That's what the Bible says. Serve one another in love. So let's follow the example of serving. Now, the second thing is, let's understand the two kinds of cleansing. There is the bath, it's the picture of salvation, completely clean. That's our relationship, and that's eternal life salvation. Then there's the washing, the nipto, the other one's luo, nipto, which is a picture of fellowship, cleansing from sin, comes by confession. That's our Christian life. And so we have to realize that. And so there's so many people out there that they'll say, I'm a saved person, then I really badly sinned, so I lost it. So you cannot. Once you're washed, once you're bathed, you're bathed forever. But what you do need to do is nip toe, confess your sin. So all of us in this room, are you saved and saved forever? Have you had your big Saturday night wash that's washed you forever? It is. But what about day to day? Think of it this way. I've had my bath forever. 
But every day I do something and I have to come in and what? Wash my hands. I got to be clean. So I can, we, we looked at the tabernacle. Did we look at the, who, anybody, in the, anybody in the first service? You saw the temple? There's a laver out front. Priests would offer a sacrifice. The hands were, were filthy. They had to go to the laver and clean their hands so they could be in fellowship to continue the ministry. We got to be in fellowship to continue with ministry.